<laughs> oh, you put Ooh. Yeah, you press the button. Yeah, of course I did. It doesn't matter that that first few seconds including this right now. No one can hear it. Oh, it's okay. Great. It's just the thing so there's chatter, you know. Oh. Right now the Should song the, is playing uh, and then uh, We're kind of flip-flopping from last episode to this one where we were describing how uh, eerie it was to not have the sound, and now here we are, a new episode, and we want the no sound. I mean, yeah. I don't, again. Uh, yeah, it actually does feel better. It seemed really loud. It was loud. All loud. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of, ooh, ah. Anyway, so uh, we're, we're going to have to fade over about a minute and a half. There Great. Great. Before it gets uh, interesting at all. Hmm. Uh, here we are again, folks. We're recording this a little early. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Something came up, and I have to go on a business trip. Mm-hmm. Um, business papers. I have some business papers to attend to in a far off place. So uh, <laughs> either this is going to work out, or it's not, and there'll just be no episode next week because Will's decided it's too much work to get a guest and do the podcast himself. Listen, even listen. though I do it every single week, faithfully and reliably, for you beautiful listeners out there. Do one thing. There you go. You got one thing. One thing you got to do. Well, yeah, I have to do it all the time. And then, I, you uh, know, I have to dictate the rhythm of the conversation every week because usually okay. you don't have anything to say. And so here we are again. How dare you? Or once again. How very dare you? You know, I was just thinking, though, a second ago before I started um, being rude to you immediately. Yeah, berating from the top. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, uh, it, this reminds me of a few months ago. Remember when we were podcasting multiple times a week? Uh huh. And it was like fun and exciting oh yeah because it was like ooh, a thing Let's yeah a we, thing. Were, we were having guests on we were doing two a week that was that was great so now we're back to that kind of mode again we had ooh. no trouble with it back then we should be able to pull it off now too hmm. you know well it's because it was some thing to look forward to that's true in the endless monotony of uh of the nothing um when every every journey outside uh the domicile was suspicious at best right you know, now everything's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of back to, uh, well, 2020 normal, let's Ish? say. Yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, when I was out yesterday, it was very strange because I went to a place that I'd went before, which was fine, easy breezy, except they were like, yeah, you have to buy a food. I'm like, you guys don't serve food, though. And they're like, here, buy this hummus cup uh, for some, $2. Yeah, somebody else was telling me about this. Apparently, uh, a bar we used to frequent... Uh, is open again, mm-hmm. but you have to buy a tiny uh, dentist cup full of black beans. They what? describe it on the menu as black bean soup, but all it is is like a quarter of a can of Goya beans in a Dixie cup. Huh. Uh, yeah, apparently parents are really liking this because you can go and get a Dixie cup of black beans and give it to your baby while you have a beer on the sidewalk. 
Wait. So nothing about that sounds attractive to me. But at Marcos? No, uh, Dinoco. Was that a place that we liked to go, though? That was a place where yeah, everyone was at, just too drunk at after one point one in drink, time. But like... I, I was avoiding naming it because I knew you'd go off on some kind of tangent about local bars. That's oh. not interesting to anyone. So well. I was trying to avoid it by simply not naming it. However, you forced the issue. Well, can I? Well, you actually cut me off for the first time. I was explaining a story for the first time. I think you know I cut you off quite frequently. Actually, well, yeah, it's but... sort of my job here because otherwise, <sighs> you know, we're in for like thirty seconds of stuttering and mouth noises. Just like that, you right on cue. That was a, a nice tongue, slap that was, that right a, into the mic. That, w- that was a nice, like, light tongue pop mm-hmm. at you. Any, anyway, please, please continue. No, so uh, I had the first time where it was very awkward to go into or, you know, handle, like, an interaction like that. Because we chose a second location for funsies. Uh, and then it was just like, ooh, this is awkward. Because the back and the front were open, but you had to go through the middle. Obviously, to get to the backyard situation, but they were like, "Ho, ho, 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 ho!" Like we're like, "Is the backyard?" And they're like, "Yeah, you just stop there." I'm like, "I'm not going to rob you. I'm not here to rob you. I just want to know if I can drink here or not." Like they were just like, "Ah!" I don't understand what's going on in your story. You attempted to enter the place, yeah, and they and stopped they... you from entering the yes, place. Yes, yes. But eventually, you were allowed. Yes. But you had to make clear. You probably had to just stop at the door and wait for them to serve you. You know, mm-hmm. they had to escort you. Yeah, to they the had to be aware birth. of your presence. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 We've talked about this a lot. I mean, the the coronavirus stuff is probably kind of boring at this point. But yeah. when it comes to this kind of shit, this is why I'm frustrated that they don't just open things up because ultimately you are traversing the spaces anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, capacities are limited anyway. You know, like with a bowling alley thing we were talking about oh, the other yeah. night, like you can go bowling, but they're not allowed to serve food because that would be serving food indoors. Even though oh. bowling alleys are big enough to Can you drink in the bowling alley? I don't think so. I don't oh. think I don't think they're allowed to serve you anything but like water or whatever because that would count as being like a restaurant indoors. Maybe it wasn't you I was talking about this with. No. But I was informed of this. That uh yeah, so the bowling alley thing seemed exciting at first, right? Because you're like, oh, great. You know, it's sort of a normal activity again. But actually, no. The fun part about bowling, which is the drinking. Well, also chicken tendies. Right. You can't, How are you going? You can't have that. And, well, what I was getting at, though, is just the arbitrary nature of like, well, we're not allowing it, not because social distancing practices can't be followed, but because then it would be eating indoors. And uh, since other things aren't allowed to be open. We can't contradict ourselves, uh, even though yeah. that doesn't really follow the spirit of these rules in the first place. Right. Because if these you're far rules, enough yeah. apart and there's limited capacity, what difference does it make what you're actually doing in the space? You could be eating. You could be jacking off. Nobody cares. If you're six feet apart, it's fine. Also, like if there's a lane closed, that's more than six feet. Well, that's right. like 10 feet. That's what I'm saying. They're closing every other lane. They're already doing this. Even when you're normally bowling, I mean, you usually you're pretty yeah. distant from other people. It's fine. But the food thing irritates me. It's like, guys, you know, there's no reason to over nanny state the nanny state. Also, like, like you know, at the first place, I was like, oh, can I just get that bag of combos on the wall? And they're like, yeah, we were told that was not good enough. So you have to have this. Yeah, the Dixie cup of hummus and uh, a sad crudite, and I was like, "You don't want to oh, do so this it has either." To be, like, it has yeah. to be like prepared food. They're not allowed to just sell you chips or whatever. Uh-huh. See, that's also fucking bullshit. Why even make that part of it? It just that doesn't matter. I, well, it's extra regulation for no reason. If you're following capacity guidelines, again, 
Who cares? What difference does it make what you're doing? Also, none of these places are that busy because everyone's like, ooh, that place is busy. We'll go to another. There's no like clustering of people. Right, like, right. You if you can get around. a table, you sit down and sure. then you make it worthwhile. Like you're like, oh, I've I've claimed a table. Here's my money. Have my money. Because um, supporting. Um, but throwing this other wrench of like, well, you at least, you know, after you finish your sad little hummus cup, you have to leave the plate in front of you so it looks like eating is happening. I'm like, for who? We know what we're all doing here. Oh, geez. We're also on a patio. Half of us are smoking. Like, no one cares. I mean, city inspectors must come around or something. And I get it that the businesses are already struggling in the first place, so they really don't want to be in violation of any particular rule, you know, to risk getting locked down again. But my God, it's like, from the city planning perspective, it's like, you guys are idiots. What are you doing? But now they have to incur, like, food cost? Right. No, I know. None of it makes any sense. It's trash garbage. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it would, again, it, at this point, well, all right. I, I, I yeah. feel like I, I complain a lot already on this podcast, oh. and I've complained about this particular issue one too many times. I don't want to test anybody's patience. The you babysitting. Guys, you, of... you guys get it. Yeah. Um, no masks. Let's just open this shit up. Who gives a fuck at this point? Well, have a mask. I don't know. No, okay. I don't think so. Okay. At well. this point, I also don't. I, I'm going to start advocating for that, too. Oh. It just doesn't really matter. It's like breathing through a chain link fence. What? Yeah, it doesn't stop particles. Chain link fence. No, this is what I had to think about. What it, this is what libertarians and republicans like to say is that like viral particles are too small for cloth masks, so oh. you might as well have a chain link fence on your face because you're just breathing right through it. That's true that the viral particles can probably get through a cloth mask, but at the same time, it limits the uh, breadth of your respiration. Mm, does it? Yeah, no. I think it does. It makes you hot. I don't know. I'm always hot. I'm like, ugh. Well, yeah, it's in the same sense that, like, wearing a hat will make you hotter than not wearing a hat sometimes. I don't know. This lovely sporting hat I have on right now keeps me cool in the summertime. Well, whatever, man. I don't know. Things over your brain, things over your face. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Okay. Well, you know, and as, an, and as a patriotic American, I don't like having my comfort sacrificed for literally any reason ever. <laughs> <laughs> so seatbelts are bad, too? Yeah, I think we should just get rid of those while we're at it. I mean, we I, should really just go back to like 1946 rules, <laughs> except for segregation. We cannot do that one. But yeah, that would be bad. Everything else, safety-wise, uh, you know, environmental regulations. Who cares? Throw them out the window. Let's go, baby, go. To, well, actually, it's hmm. funny. It's funny that I mentioned that. Usually, you say that about somebody else. It's funny that you mentioned that, but it's funny that I mentioned that. What? Uh, Babies? No. Uh, throwing out all regulations because who cares Mm -hmm. today is um god what's the name of it it's like threshold day or something this happens every year what yeah oh when we used up all the stuff we used up all the resources that the earth can replenish in a 12 month period uh this year in seven months and some number of days Mm. uh thanks to coronavirus it's actually three weeks later than last year oh typically the time scale starts to decrease, but we actually ticked it up this year. Well, we are the virus. Yes. Agreed. People. You know, uh, Natalie told me also that there is a asteroid that is slated to come very uh-huh. near to Earth the day <laughs> <Yeah>. before the <laughs> election. That'd be pretty cool. Honestly. You want to you wanna do uh, Armageddon, the movie? You don't want to close <laughs> your eyes. In the Criterion Collection, guys. Is it? Yeah, it is. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I, I it's kind of a hack thing, but yes, Armageddon is in it because 
the idea behind the Criterion Collection is not that they're the best movies, but that they're the best examples of their genre or type. Oh. So as far as Michael oh. Bay, like late 90s um, hmm. disaster movies go, I mean, it, I'd find it hard to beat Armageddon. I think that's not a bad pick. That doesn't mean it's a good movie. Not like Independence Day or something like that? No, or? no. Have you seen Independence Day recently? I, I actually watched have. it at, at one know. point during this quarantine. You've never seen Independence Day. Is Bull Pullman the Why president? Why did you say it should be in the Criterion Collection? And it's an iconic seen... image. The sure. like, spaceship going poosh to White House. Yeah, the House. White House image is really iconic. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the movie itself, I mean, I think a lot of people our age have a lot of nostalgia for it because mm. it was cool as like a fifth grader or whatever. Yeah. But I went back and rewatched it and it's really a piece of shit. Holds it's like up not as well as uh, Jurassic Park 3. Jurassic Park 3, in my opinion, was honestly a little bit better. Uh, Will's no, ma- one, no one can hear my, my blinking eyes yeah. that are going, huh? Will's making fun of me because he caught me watching Jurassic Park 3 last night. Um, I might be a little biased. I have a fondness for Jurassic Park 3 because mm. when I was a stoner and I only had DVDs. Remember the era before there was streaming services? Yes. And you were in college and didn't have cable. Uh-huh. So you were stuck with the tiny collection of DVDs that you had. You Netflix was DVDs in college. No, but I didn't have the mail-in service. I didn't oh. really know anybody that had that. I did. Oh, well, whatever. You were just like an old man. It was all. It was for old people. Well, I didn't know young people that used that. There were no red boxes yet. Mm, I think there was red boxes, but in, oh, in, in any well, case, Jurassic Park three. Yeah, it was one of the like six DVDs that I owned at one point, and I would just leave it on, like basically constantly. Sometimes just leave it on the menu. You know, sometimes you fall asleep and you're too stoned to get up and turn the TV off, or so it's whatever. Just. Yeah. for eight hours literally just about that long that you just mouthed oh boy is yeah on repeat but anyway so i saw jurassic park 3 a lot i might be biased but honestly in revisiting that movie last night i think it's better than independence day and it's honestly it's not that bad hmm. um one thing i didn't remember about it those kids are stupid in that movie though they're dumb well there's only one kid in the movie oh the little boy little girl no they're the why do you keep? Why are you being critical of my opinions on things that you've never seen? And I have seen seem it. to know no, 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 nothing. No, no, no. About. I've seen it because I too lived in a place. I where... I think you're thinking of Jurassic Park two. There's also a kid that, in that I never one. saw. The only one where there's multiple kids is the first one. Uh, oh, it's multiple parents in three. That's what I'm thinking of. The divorced couple. Yes, they're a yeah, divorced. Okay, couple. so I'm I'm picturing okay, them as we're children. On the right track. Yeah. Weird. You're picturing William H. Macy and what's her name as children. Well, Taya Leone's haircut in that is very like seven year old boy. That is true. Yeah, yeah. That bowl cut from she's hell. looking really Karen-y. Mm, she's a one hundred percent Brenda. She's Karen's mom. Mm. Oh, you okay? Anyway, think about it. Well, I have to say that I forgot that that movie is only uh, <laughs> it barely clocks in at ninety minutes. It's an 88-minute It's an 88-minute yeah. movie, and then the credits push it over into official feature-length territory. Um, I guess I just assumed it was longer than that because Jurassic Park 1 and 2 are both like 2-hour, 15-minute type of deals. Hmm. You know, they're just that style of movie. Yeah. So I figured the third one's the same, but no. Apparently, it was a very troubled production, and all the actors hated being there and just wanted to leave. Oh. They switched directors a couple of times. You know, Spielberg wasn't involved yes, in 3, so correct. it's a kind of a shit show. But what I do have to say about it in a positive light is that it's actually not that poorly written. Like, the dialogue sucks, but the sh- the scene constructions are really good. Yeah. And it made me nostalgic for a time when, like, 
scenes and movies had like setups and payoffs. Oh, like the, yeah. For example, there's like a throwaway line in the middle of the movie where William H Macy and Taylor Leone are uh, reconciling with each other because now they've been trapped on this island for a little bit and they're start, yeah. starting to soften their divorcee relationship. And William H Macy makes mention of learning how to swim. Huh. She says, like, oh, you lost how many pounds? Oh, I lost 25 pounds. I've been swimming. And she's like, you don't even know how to swim. And he's like, I learned. Hmm. And you're like, okay, whatever. It's just in service of their relationship, yeah. seemingly. But then at the end of the movie, oh, yeah. in a critical moment, William H. Macy uh, swims to save his family and his own life. Yes. You know, so that sounds really dumb and lame because it is. Like, yeah. it's the absolute bare minimum mm-hmm. that one should expect from any Hollywood production. But that like, there's a payoff period. But when you think about most movies now, they don't even try to do that. They really don't. Like, think about, like, I'll, I'll even, I'll throw myself on my sword a little bit. Like, a movie that I really like, like John Wick. That doesn't really happen oh, in no John pay- Wick. There's no there's payoff. No payoff. No. It's just action scene after action scene. And, like, it's self-aware about that, so yeah. it gets away with it. But truly, there's no, like... There's no callbacks to anything. You're just going from scene to scene to scene in a completely linear forward way. And that's why they're confusing because there are no callbacks. And you're like, is this a thing that we were we reviewed already? And they're like, no, it's just a new side effect. And you're like, okie dokie. Yeah, they just introduce things like completely spontaneously. Like, I think this is the effect of Marvel movies on everything. Like the mm. superheroification of movies where like sort of after those movies got popular, like basically magic is allowed. And as long as you do like a humorous wink at what you're doing, you don't have to write a movie. You can just introduce any idea at any point and have a character look into camera and go like, huh? Like like Jesus dogs that get shot and then all of a sudden rise back to life and you're like, whoa! (laughs) Precisely. Things that don't make even physical sense remotely are allowed. A geriatric man who can barely sign in a name in a guest book is suddenly just like lock stock and two smoking barrels Mm -hmm. outside of a door and just like holding down a fort and you're like... I don't believe that would happen that way. Yeah, yeah. Like, the guy that works at the front desk at the hotel is suddenly, like, a SEAL Team 6 level assassin. He turns into the rock. You, but you've never like, seen him do this. It's not even implied at all that no. he does that. Yeah, right. So, you're allowed to do that. But, here's what they figured out. I think this is a combination of a couple of things. It's a combination of streaming services where you have access to miniseries or entire seasons of shows all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. And it's also the success of Marvel movies. Mm. What they figured out how to do is the only written um, callbacks or call forwards or constructed like narrative arcs in movies. Mm-hmm. Can you guess? What? Post-credit scenes. Oh. What they figured out is the only time we have to explain ourselves is to get you interested to see the next one. Fair. So you are on this thrill ride of a movie or whatever, and then finally at the end, they actually explain something for once, and your brain slows down. You go, oh, that makes me excited for the next one. Yeah. And simultaneously, you forget that what you just watched was just a stream of trash, basically. It also gives you a motivation for that was never explained to you because there's a bigger bad out there. You're like, ooh, we're going to get something in the next one. Right. So back to JP3. That's why I'm trying to yeah. defend it a little bit is like I, I was remembering like i was like pope john paul the third one no what oh. oh oh yeah yeah dress park uh jp2 shouts out r.i.p rest in power <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so jurassic park three it, it just made me remember that i was like oh yeah there used to be like three acts in a movie yeah they used to be constructed in sort of like a forward looping way that made sense and even shitty movies 
assumed that, yeah. that our audiences were smart enough to want that to be there. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Independence Day, on the other hand, to go back to that. Yeah. It sort of has that, too. Like it ha- But it's Roland Emmerich, and he cares a lot less about story than... He- he's sort of maybe the progenitor of the trash that we see now. Yeah. He is good at constructing an action scene in terms of the visuals, which is why the White House thing is really iconic. Mm-hmm. Or like even the shittier movies that he made later, like 2012 or The Day After Tomorrow, where there's like the wave coming into New York City. Oh, yeah. Or the Statue of Liberty in Ice. like Or that Shakespeare movie. He made a Shakespeare movie? Uh-huh. That was a Roland Emmerich joint? Uh-huh. I remember what you're talking about uh-huh. and seeing the trailers for it and going like, oh, God. We watched that movie. We watched it? Yeah. Way, when? Way back? Real at... high in grad school. Yeah, like, okay. It was okay. like summer and no one's doing anything because too hot. Oh, I vaguely remember that. I don't remember what the movie was about. I was yeah, just stoned going, pretty lights. I think it was about like Shakespeare actually being a different person than history attributes to him now. Or something like that. Oh, like, yeah, the like ghost the actual guy, yeah. person that wrote them, like, got betrayed by the con man, now known as Shakespeare. Yes. It was so, sort of like that anyway. What the fuck was the name of that movie? I don't know. Who cares, man? That's it's really Ooh. beside the point. But, yeah, I think Roland Emmerich is good at visuals because he yeah. admired Steven Spielberg and maybe Michael Bay, but, like, didn't understand that you also need to have, like, something compelling under the surface to not make your movie boring. Well, and Independence a... Day is... It's bad. It's well, you boring. have to deliver a complete package. Yeah. In, in the three X structure, and if you're like, well, we can get a little loosey goosey if it looks cool. It's like, I don't know. Like, unless you're gonna ha- shoot for a sequel, which I think there was an Independence Day two, right? I think that that is a franchise at this point. It is. Uh, yeah, because they came out with Independence Day Resurgence like two oh. or three years ago. Oh. Oh. I never yeah, saw yeah. it, no. but I think they're trying to make it into like a cinematic universe. Oops. Uh-oh. Um, but, like, I'll give you an example. I guess you've never seen Independence Day or don't remember it, but there's an entire subplot in that movie that has to do with Will Smith's wife, who is a stripper, uh, going on a little road trip with Bill Pullman, the president's uh, wife. How the first lady ends up in New York City, I don't remember, but... Hmm. So a stripper okay. and the first lady of the United States end up in a truck together, road tripping to Area 51. And okay. you're like, huh, what's this side quest about, right? Yeah. And it turns out nothing, nothing. They don't do anything. They don't serve any purpose in the story. They don't do anything just heroic. Going. They just arrive at the end to like meet Will Smith when he successfully destroys the alien craft. And you're like, so... There was fully like 22 minutes of this movie of dialogue between these two characters like over a campfire... For no reason at all. Huh. Yeah. Well, because, you know, I'm the most powerful lady in the land, and you're a stripper, and we're the same, right? And it's like, ooh. When that was released, that was right after uh, well, Bill was, and Monica, so it's like, ooh. I guess ooh. so. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it might have even been before that. I think Independence Day was 95. I'm not oh. sure. Um, but no, it was just that 90s thing of, like, one character's black and one character's white, and they're both women, and, like, you know... It's literally driving Miss Daisy, though. It's supposed to be empowering or something, or, like, have that message, but... Hashtag girl boss. Like, why is that in this movie? Yeah, no. Like, those two characters don't even need to be in the movie. And I think it's, like, purely a demographic thing. Like, you see this a little bit in the Star Wars prequels, too, where, like, Natalie Portman and her fancy outfits are only there to give bored girlfriends and wives something to look at in between the dumbness. Uh, yeah. Now, honestly, that's why. Yeah. You know that I'm right. Like, I, I know... You know, I don't know if there's like 
I mean, I wish like some of the like the makeup and the aesthetics actually carried over into the world and people were like, you know, I do like a red stripe down the center of my lip. I'm going to try that. And then it's like, no, that's just club kid looking shit. I mean, I think the reason you couldn't do that today is that it's obviously a geisha thing. I mean, Ooh, yeah, that too. Star Wars is really racist, especially the prequels. Like the think about first Jar Jar. Well, Jar Jar, yeah, but the little flying man. The little flying Watto. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. He's just like an Arabian Ooh. Jew, basically. I mean, this started all the way back, if we're being honest, Salacious Crumb. Who? The little the little Jewish rat that sits on Jabba's shoulder and goes, <laughs> I thought that was just like a Muppets reference. I don't think so, man. Roscoe. I think it's pretty obviously a caricature. It looks like Nazi propaganda. And I'm not exaggerating. But he looks like Roscoe the Rat. I guess. Or Rizzo the Rat. I guess, but I wonder if that has a dark history that we might not be aware of also. No, I think Rizzo the Rat is from like, you know, Staten Island, very trashy. Well, I, I, underst- I understand <laughs> that he can have like a different accent, but the look of the character and like having him be from New York at all, I don't know. You're already, not that I care. I think it's funny, oh, but, you're, but you are writing some kind of line and I'm sure that sensitivity uh, towards minor ethnicities was not a thing Yeah, well, when this stuff was being created. No, no. Yeah, Wada was an es- a special beast. Oh yeah, especially because he like tries to cheat at dice games, and he's like a he's a junk dealer Ooh, and a slave owner. Yeah, Ooh, boy, <laughs> forgot Ooh. about that part. He bl- blue people are problematic. There's a really funny line. It's like one of the worst lines in cinematic history from the Phantom Menace uh, when they're talking about like because c- you know Anakin and his mom live in their own little hut. Yeah, and so to. I guess explain away why they don't just run away because mm-hmm. Watto's not like constantly monitoring them. <laughs> Anakin says something about them having a bomb in their head. And oh, if you yeah, run yeah. away, they blow you up. Boom. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's like, it's one of the yeah. worst things ever shoved into a movie for convenience. Also, it delivered so poorly. Whoever hired that child actor should be shot. Oh, God, yeah. There's there's amazing oh outtakes on the DVD of The Phantom Menace. Again, another DVD that I used to revisit quite often. Uh, they have a surprisingly candid behind-the-scenes documentary, like, making of of The Phantom Menace. Oh, boy. Where basically the narrative arc of that documentary is, we're fucking this up. We don't know what we're doing. Everything is rushed and horrible, but we're in too deep. Oh, are those the scenes where they show it to the team and they're all just silent afterwards? Yeah. And yeah. they're like... Oh. And George says... I may have gone too far in a few places. Because it's three hours long. <laughs> well, the problem with that, the ending of that movie is that you have four separate endings that all make no sense but are intertwined with each other. So you can't like cut parts of them out because they take you from one scene to the next. Yep. So like, if you're like, oh, the Jar Jar stuff isn't exactly working, you can't lose it because then the Amidala scene won't make narrative sense and so on and so on. So they're just stuck with it. It's really funny. There's like so many shots of executive producers like with their heads in their hands, like just Well, they're doing math in their brain. They're like going, How much did this cost? Oh yeah. Fuck. Well, at the same time, they're like a little nervous because they're ashamed of themselves, but th- nobody actually feels in danger of losing any money. I think that's why oh, I think that's why fair. those movies were bad. Nobody wanted to challenge George Lucas and they knew that no matter what they did, it was gonna be an instant hit, so who gives a shit? Let the hogs eat the slop. Well, know? they were also probably like, well, we already sold all the toys, so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. I Truly, mean, I, they're just like, yeah. the movie isn't going to make us money. The licensing. Well, yeah. An- another another memory I have from that making of scene is George Lucas is still writing the script, and he's complaining about how he's having a hard time doing it. And he's like, you know, like, 
oh, I don't even have a first draft yet, and they're already building sets. <laughs> and you think to yourself, like, wait a minute, how's that even possible? They're building sets for scenes that haven't happened yet? And then you're like, oh, well, I guess the movie Well, they're just doing, like, general broadsides of, like, we're going to do a sandy place, but make it not like yeah, the yeah, first one. And, precisely. And uh, well, we're going to do a green one, so make me a castle. But then turns out it actually just is the same planet, and we just always go to the same locations for some reason. Like, almost every Star Wars movie has a Tatooine scene. Well, yeah. It's like, I thought, you know, because the premise in the first one is like, oh, that's a really far out of the way place. Mm. You know, Luke is supposed to be living like in the provinces that are irrelevant to the broader galactic situation. Mm -hmm. Yet, for whatever reason, they end up on that fucking planet in every movie. I think except for Empire Strikes Back, which is the only good one. Fair. So, uh, Oh, yeah, they go back for the third. I forgot about mm -hmm. the Sarlacc pit. Mm. Oh, but all I wanted to say in the first place was that in that behind-the-scenes documentary, there is amazing scenes of that little kid actor just fucking his lines up so bad and mispronouncing, like, the names of everything and George Lucas being visibly frustrated and angry and, like, well, why they didn't just fire the kid mid-production and start with someone else, I don't know. Well, also, here's the thing. George Lucas also doesn't know how to pronounce things. Gungans? Gungans? Oh, yeah. Gungans? Gungas. Yeah, and they're like, uh, George, that's not it. Like, they've been saying it like this for, like, a year, so what? Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's actually this. And they're like, nope, not anymore. Sorry. Oh, man. Yeah, when he gives uh, direction or attempts to give direction to actors, the, like, look of disdain on their faces towards him is amazing. Well. Watching, like, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman just, like, try so hard not to yell <laughs> is amazing. It's really funny. I mean, was she, yeah, she did things before that. She was she was famous since she was, like, 12. Is that true? I don't really think so. Yeah, no, she was in that little, you know, that, do you remember the movie of, like, she kind of gets kidnapped or this older Frenchman saves her and it's kind of like this little, like, spy-ish movie? No, I don't remember that. that I mean. That was the breakout role. What? It was like It was like an indie. It was an indie. Well, yeah, I think you have a, I, I, I would just say that I don't, I wouldn't say that that's a breakout role. I think her breakout role was Garden State. Actually, no. that came after Phantom Menace. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't know. I, th I think of her and Scarlett Johansson as basically having come up at the same time, and then in the early 2000s, they become, like, superstars. But prior to that, sure, they're, they're like, Chloe Sevigny level, but they don't stay arty. They go mainstream eventually. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, listeners, write in if you remember that weird French movie with, with the gunman and, and her, and they're shooting people and stuff. Um, anyway, uh, but this is jogging my memory of, like, nostalgia for the 88 minute movie like if you think about even like rom-coms at this point like those are three-hour spectaculars that also lose their sense of the three-act structure yeah oh yeah and you're just like oh it's just girls trip wine country time and you're like what are, are you learning anything and they're like no it's just one string of things and you're like okay no payoff right well it's the, i think it's just the hollywood cascade effect where when they realized that if you make a three-hour movie that costs $200 million, you can just make a billion or $2 billion mm. in a couple of months, yeah. they went all in on that strategy. Whereas, you know, all these 88-minute movies are like small things like comedies were sort of loss leaders for the big productions originally. And they realized yeah. like, oh, we can just cut out this whole process of mid and small budget movies. Fair. And taking any chances at all. We'll just throw all the money in the casting and then people will show, asses will go yeah. to seats yeah. because like, Precisely. oh, my favorite's in that. And you're like, okay. Yep. Ooh, my audio just cut out. 
No, it didn't. Your headphones are probably oh, okay. just fucked up. Ooh, oopsies. Can you hear yet? Yeah. Yeah. It oh, just okay. it did a little like No, you're all but okay. a fuzzy sound and I went, Oh no. Um But yeah, no, like the the last I feel like around 2010, 2011, there were still some of those movies, and now there's just none of them. They still exist. They're like, <sighs> there was a Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish vehicle, like something school, that was supposed to be like a quick, quick, witty comedy, and it's like, ooh, no. oh, I see what you mean. I think really like lowbrow, lowest common denominator things like that still exist because those make a lot of money on the strength of Kevin Hart. Yeah. Or on the strength of Adam Sandler or yeah. whatever. So they do exist for huge stars to do. Yes. But they're just star vehicles. Whereas, like, think about, like, Bridesmaids was, like, the last one that I can think of that was, like, a legitimately pretty good comedy for the time. That was an yeah. ensemble cast. Like, Kristen Wiig wasn't that big yet. She had yeah. obviously was very well known from SNL, but I don't think it starred in too many huge movies. That was the first one. It was like, oh, I can finally leave SNL yes. if I sell this one. Right. So it was sort of... a a studio taking a chance on a script from an SNL star, but also taking the risk that they're going to make or break this movie through their performance. You don't know if they can act. Well, it's all the other people around and, kind of doing yeah, all the sure. work and all the, and all the chemistry evidence stuff. But my point is just that that didn't really ride on any one thing. It had to be a good movie on, it, uh, on its own merit. Yeah. Whereas like a Kevin Hart movie, it really doesn't yeah. matter at all. Well, Bridesmaids led to Spy, because everyone was like, Melissa McCarthy can act the shit out of things. And you're like, she's just seen Chewing, so I don't know how you got this, like, mm. Well, because what they see is the next Chris Farley or the next, next Adam Sandler. Like, yeah. people that are not necessarily, like, actually, Adam Sandler's a pretty good actor, but people that are not Easy. necessarily, in the right role, yeah, for sure. Think about Uncut Gems, think about Punch Drug Glove. Like, if he's cast right, he can actually act. When he's the, like, stoned guy in the head shop in The Hot Girl. Well, yeah, he can also just be that. In fact, oh, yeah. that's what he is the majority of the time. But Fair. that's what I'm saying. Like, directors that know how to use him can do it well. Mm. It's more on the strength of their vision than on him in particular. But, like, in Uncut true. Gems, I thought he actually acted very well. Like, he did, He was yeah. the character. He didn't even really seem like Adam Sandler. That's true. And to whatever extent he did, it, it was in service of the character, which is the director's good eye. That's just a, like, two-hour-long panic attack. Watching it is just like, ah! every muscle in my body is tight, and there's no relaxing time. But wait, wait, what were we talking about? Just the, the I was just, like, reminiscing, like, the joy of the 80, like, that, like, yeah. quick... The, the quickness of a kind of like you could this is also like maybe this is a weird thing but like that was also the time when cupcakes were a surprising idea of enjoyment because it was small oh geez wow you're you're trying to connect a uh a broad hollywood trend with the emergence of the cupcake fad but uh, no i'm just trying to like locate <laughs> a sense of time wherein Everything was just shorter attention span because, you know, now we're, we think like, oh, no one has an attention span, but all of our movies are three fucking hours long. Yeah. Okay. You know, like back in the day, we were like, no, we could do shorter because we don't want to be tied up. Everything's so, I don't know. It, there was no sense of being more connected because that didn't exist. But yeah, like, I don't know. I don't, maybe this is why, like, I have this thing of like, I would never go see a movie as a youth because I'm like, I'm going to spend how much for an hour and 20 minutes? No, thank you. Hmm. Like... That's now interesting. Like, oh, now it's an event. Well, we, they weren't expensive back then, but but I but I see what you, I see what you're getting at. I guess, like we've inverted the the con consumability. 
Well, I don't know. It, it sort of circles back to where this conversation began, where, like, when movies actually had narrative arcs and were, like, well-crafted and constructed to, like, keep you engaged on an emotional level the entire time, mm-hmm. um, the length of them definitely mattered a lot less. In fact, like you are saying, it, you appreciated a certain amount of tightness to it because that actually... If you were being intellectual about it, it demonstrated a certain amount of skill on the part mm-hmm. of the filmmakers and also as a person that was like, yeah, not in much of a hurry to do anything else. Or like if you were going yeah. to see more movies because you couldn't see them at home that readily, mm-hmm. it was fine to just go out for an hour and a half instead of three hours and not yeah. make a big deal about it. Right. But now, like with when we say that people have no attention span, it's interesting to compare the length of movies or other media visual media to them because like people will regularly watch five seasons of a tv show but you just waste three days on doing it oh yeah you know and they're just designed to make you interested enough that you don't get bored but they don't have to be good enough to actually engage you because like in the in the examples of tv shows they're designed so that you can be on your phone at the same time so they yeah. they have to be simple enough that you don't miss information if you're not paying attention the entire time. Yeah. And in the examples of movies, like they ha- it has to be stimulating, but not necessarily like uh, narratively engaging. Yeah. Like think of like I, like for example, I like the Marvel movies for the most part, but like if you think about Infinity War or Endgame, they're just collages. You also can't watch them a second time without being like, "Where's my phone?" Exactly. They're not that they're not that compelling on a rewatch at all. No. No. They're they are interesting as a cultural moment and a reveal. But it makes me wonder what's gonna happen in the future here because it seems like both tendencies have been accelerated. Mm-hmm. Uh or rather the tendency towards short attention span and just stimulation has obviously been accelerated. That's where movies are going. Yeah. Three hour epic, blah blah blah. T V shows, you know, basically like Bobo versions of HBO shows. <laughs> That's what every Netflix You're show not the is. Wrong. Yeah, not wrong. Yeah. Um, Apparently, The Crown is going to be Princess Di and Margaret Thatcher era. Oh, boy. I mean, the, the, I, I don't, I don't like know. that show being so popular and still being on is boggling my mind. Like, I don't I have no interest in it. I don't know. And I like like historical things. It seems, it's just that I've been burned too many times by Netflix series yeah. where I'm like, these suck. They always are bad. There's no payoff. And and I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm not the type of person that really watches that much TV. If I want to do something disposable, I watch like Twitch or YouTube now. And if I... You can also watch everything on YouTube. Right. Someone pirates it and then just goes, here you go. Well, and if I actually want to pay attention, I'm going to like set my phone down and pay attention. But I think that just, I don't know, makes me an outlier in the equation. Mm. But the thing I, I was trying to say that I think is going to be interesting is if movie theaters can't quite make a comeback mm-hmm. and they can't quite do these cultural spectacles like Avengers or like the last episode of Game of Thrones or like what's going to happen then? If, if, if millions of people can't converge on one thing over a short period of time, mm-hmm. um, that's interesting. That's unique. And it's been slipping for a long time. Like, let me say one last thing and then you can go. Um, like think about how, when there was no cable and there was only network television, like Walter Cronkite was a phenomenon because he got, you know, 16 million viewers a night or whatever. And then slowly over time that slipped away in terms of news. Um, Seinfeld was a huge show because everybody watched it on one night and had water cooler chat the next day. And you didn't see it again until it was in syndication for a year. And then we sort of build up to where 
you know, network TV doesn't work that way anymore, but streaming works that way, sort of. If you don't binge it fast enough, it'll get spoiled for you. Same with Avengers. Like, if you don't go see it opening weekend, you're just, you'd missed the moment, right? Yeah, I wonder, I don't think anything's going to happen like that anymore. There will be no moment. Things will be new to you when you find them, but only then. That You said one phrase in there that is the, the true linchpin of all of this, water cooler. There is no need to even do a blockbuster if the blockbuster can't happen. I know that sounds insane. Yeah. Let me explain this. Like That kind of big consumable media exists so so many different people can converge and have something to talk about. But now when you have people who are not doing any f- sort of face-to-face interactions with, you know, familiar acquaintances, like, oh, we work together. Oh, that's Peg from accounting. She's She's nice. And you're like... I don't know. She probably beats dogs on the weekend, but you talked about fucking uh, the last episode of Cheer, and she had the same hot take as you, so you think she's nice. You know? Right. Like, all of that, that's already fading away, because people are like, I don't know, I'm just, like, zooming in, and then, like, I just work, and then I don't feel, like, well, any connection uh, to these people who I'm working with, and I'm like, well, that could be fine, but also, like, you're losing so much of your humanness that it's like... For sure. Oh, yeah, because you're not, there's no culture to consume. And not only that, the hot take industrial complex just has all the takes pre-made for you. Yes. So nobody actually has their own thought about the last episode of Cheers anymore. Yes. You read the listicle that says 10 things you need to know about the last episode of Cheers and like nine of them are that it's problematic. Well. You know, whatever. It's just that nobody even is required to have an experience with it anymore you do this actually and i don't mean this as a criticism but you do this a lot actually like when when we were going to all the marvel movies coming out you would just spoil them for yourselves like before you watched them and i would have to like beg you to not tell me what the fuck happens in the movie because you would just read about it on the internet before you went to the screen i was not invested and you didn't care which is fine but but that's a problem for people that even care like we wouldn't talk about it, though. Of course, well, of course. you were very respectful of it, but like that whole uh, pervasive atmosphere in society makes it so that nobody has their own opinion, nobody has any time. You, yeah, you you are losing your humanity in a lot of different directions. It's not just the physical aspect of zooming in. Yeah, well, my my thing in that particular example was like, if we couldn't see it on the day, I'm like, well. Someone's going to ask me about this at some point. So I'm like, well, let me just get the gist. Oh, I I felt the same way. I mean, I went way out of my way to make sure I saw most of those movies if I cared about them. Yeah. Almost immediately because, you know, I felt... You have like a three-day window to make it happen and then it's like over. I mean, it's an embarrassing thing to talk about caring about. But at one point, I had um, Endgame spoiled for me like an hour before I saw it. And it was because I was on a subreddit unrelated to Marvel and somebody troll posted the last scene just to spoil it for all the people scrolling through like r slash kittens or whatever the fuck oh and it was like horrible and of course that post was removed within minutes but in that five minute window that troll ruined like thousands of people's experience oh that's a bummer it was fine like it didn't really matter because i still wanted to see how it got there Yeah, yeah but like along the lines of our previous conversation how it got there is not as interesting as experiencing that one moment as a as a theater yeah. as a society like because how it gets there is just kind of a convoluted mess that they figured out as they went yeah basically well now well now what people are doing they're just weirdly taking reddit opinions that filter into other different social media and then having that as an opinion and i'm like do you really think that or are there a lot of voices don't tell everyone the secret to podcasting what (laughs) 
taking Reddit opinions or <laughs> opinions from other sources that filter down to you and reamalgamating them and spitting them out half understood. Well, that's you. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Reddit still. I'm just like, oh, this is nothing. Um, but like, I was having a conversation last night where I was like, these are all Reddit things of like teenage girls say this, but like meaner, and I'm like, hmm. The underlying thing here is that these little teenagers are a little racist in what they're talking about so like we have to acknowledge that and it's like no this bro-. i'm like mm, i'm right well, i'm right but you're doubling down on an opinion that's not yours and i'm always like eh, okay you know I, what makes me confident that i'm not a sheeple to use myself for example is that being on things like reddit and you know to some extent like 4chan and other forums that are like deep internet reddit's not deep internet but no. There's always a source for these cultural phenomenon that comes from some place that is niche or inaccessible to most people. Mm-hmm. And I like being able to know that tree mm-hmm. and trace it down to the stump. Like um, a more classic example pre-internet is I, I think that in society, people used to have a lot more awareness of the biases of different print publications and like yeah. knew who different authors were and stuff. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, so I like to do the same thing. Like when I read a New York Times op-ed, I like to know whether it's from like Ross Douthit or David Brooks or yeah. Paul Krugman because those are three very different opinions. Under the umbrella of the New York Times, if you're just a prole that doesn't give a shit, you'll just say, oh, this is the opinion. Of the t- But of it's the like times it's really like, like you, it's either coming from somebody uh, that believes in literal demons, uh, somebody that supports the Iraq war, Ross Douthit. Okay. Or uh, – or Paul Krugman, who's like a tool for the elites disguising himself as a populist. It's like you you do have to know these things, but the same logic applies to the Internet. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about like these opinions from Reddit bubbling to the surface of the Internet, not only did they start deeper than Reddit in the first place, but most people just encounter posts and are not aware of like all of the underlying yes, the how did there. we get to there and yeah. if you really want to have an opinion about anything anymore or just be informed you you have to at least be able to recognize immediately where that may have come from yeah and then if you're curious about it like go down that rabbit hole and actually figure it out because yeah you're probably going to end up on 4chan and most things start out as trolling mm. which is what's fascinating about like a lot of the a lot of like not a lot but not infrequently, there'll be, like, really sincere, like, identity politics posts or something that were actually just, like, trolls from alt-right people that mm-hmm. uh, were so convincing that they oh, look mm-hmm. like r- real earnest engagement. And then someone on Twitter reposts it, and then all of a sudden it's real, right? Got it. Yeah. Um, that happens a lot more than you'd imagine. Like, uh, one of the subreddits that I'm on, uh, one of the po- political ones that still exists... Um, Part of the project, it's only engaged with occasionally, is that people will try to make um, posts that look like they came from Donald Trump's campaign or from some Republican uh, think tank Hmm. that espouse like a socialist message, but in language that MAGA people would like. And occasionally that some of them catch on. Hmm. So Hmm. the same thing applies from every perspective. Um, But most people don't think about this or do the like forensics necessary online to like know what they're looking at you know the deep dive is missing from a lot of takes you're just like where'd you read that and it's like well i might have gone one deep and that's like well what you're basically describing is like uh uh, tracing the etymology of the language that we have now and like 
accepting anything as true or believing it on its face is like, that's right, is an automatic falsehood. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Right. I mean, like, I'm really sympathetic, though, to people because I, I find myself tied up into knots in my own thinking or in this, like, investigative mode a lot of the time because the complexity of doing this online is a lot different than basically dealing with like your local newspaper and three or four like national publications and magazines like yeah you know you could you could triangulate all of those different public figures and opinions and like keep them in your mind in a stable way uh fairly easily but now the the depth and breadth of information is so tremendous that it takes a lot of skill and attention. Attention is the more attention critical thing word, to yeah. like wrangle all of this different stuff all at once. And it's especially hard to do that if you don't want to give yourself like online brain poisoning and just become yeah. a person like me that like r- runs into the room and it's like, hey, this person on Twitter like said something and regular people are like, no one cares. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But it, this goes back to the thing of like, well, I... I listen to the Times briefing every day. It's like that same Times that has, you know, op-ed people who are, you know, respected or and do a little bit of uh, research also will hire someone who won a writing contest in Topeka to write about an incel orthodontist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Wait, we, sh- we, should e- we should explain that really quickly. Like, for, for a reference, uh, Will showed me an article just off offhand the other day from the Times because it had a crazy headline that was like, uh, British orthodontist made famous by incels. Or something to yeah, that effect. Yeah, think about all of those words together and, you know, listener, write them down if you have to or just go back in the time machine to the Times and just go... These are words that shouldn't be together, but they are. Here we go. Absolutely incredible that that's a headline in the New York Times. But uh, Well, this is 2020. Not to use the Barbara Walters quote, but this is 2020, yeah. and it is bad. Well, in any, in any, anyway, y- you pointed it out to me rightfully because it is hilarious. Like, just that, that combination of words. It was right below seems, every headline, and I went, huh? Seems like it was generated by the uh, the sea otters in South Park that, like, bump the bubbles up to the top of the tank manatees yeah the making, manatees. making the dialogue it, for family guy british orthodontist incel like right that so those were the three that they bobbed to the surface and then they made a headline but so anyway will shows me this and i'm like oh that's actually like i don't know about this so i'm curious so i went and i read the article it was the only time i've ever caused a reverse run run yeah run into room i was like this fucked up i had to go look at this bye i had to run out of the room to do some research it turns out i did know a little bit about it because i'd heard about this guy's orthodontic theories but didn't connect the name with the incels but Hmm. it doesn't matter what the content of the article was the point we were making before is that all it took was me to get to the end of the article read the author's name and go who the fuck is that Mm -hmm. and then google this person and be like oh this person is not a journalist at all they won a regional award like in maryland or something wherever they're from Hmm. probably for writing for their high school newspaper and then whatever and then the new york times publishes them as if this is a real article about anything at all it turns out it's not they're the voice of a generation yeah well it's you know a voice to tie it to tie it back to our previous movie conversation it's like you know when you'd see the laurel leaves on a billboard for a movie mm-hmm. that signify like a film festival award that, that used to mean something yeah you used to think oh my god they must have won the palm d'or or whatever and now you realize it's like oh this isn't from con this you know this isn't from the toronto international film festival this is from the topeka kansas gazette yes you know 
my favorite part is official selection of regional film festival yeah, yeah, and i'm exactly. like you can put those lore leaves the fuck away no one earned those that that doesn't mean shit and I don't know what graphic designer was like, you know, we can maybe cause some buzz because this was in a film festival. Well, it's because it works. And the point is, is that it works the same. Does it? it works the same way <sighs> on Instagram posts or on New York Times articles as it does on those fucking billboards is that most people just glance at it, take it at face value and run away with a really perverted idea of what they're looking at. But there's also people who are like, oh, Emmy nominated. That's cute. Like even people who are that well, are that, like, doesn't mean shit. Y- you know, 10 or self-aware. 15 years ago, that used to be the fake version when they would use that it was nominated for something rather yes. than it that was a transitional moment from uh going from it used to have to win a prestigious award then you could just be nominated for it then you could just win one from a smaller location and mm. i bet now in terms of this movie thing i guarantee you there's nominated in topeka kansas for the oh, God. Uh, scholastic junior disabled veterans award or whatever <laughs> <laughs> That one got me. I love that. <laughs> I mean, this is why. So let me use it for example. So there was I keep I kept getting ads for this movie, this like French, Frenchish American movie where it's uh, Juliette Binoche, Ethan Hawke, and old French actress lady. I don't remember her name, but they were like, you know, they're going down the list of like famous French lady, and we're like, oh, it's a, we know who she is, but it still says like Academy Award winner. I'm like, it seems unnecessary. We know that name, except I don't right now. And then it was like Juliette Binoche. Academy Award nominee, Ethan Hawke, Academy Award nominee. I'm like, why even bother if they didn't win? Um, Dumb. Y- you know what I think? Um, Who's justifying the payday there? You know what I think happens in some of those cases is that um, actors will write into their contracts for certain movies that they need to be credited in a certain way oh. or that they need to be credited in a certain order. Like if you're watching the credits after yes. a movie yeah. or whatever, th- these type of things are written into contracts. So I would almost guarantee that when it comes to the ad end of this stuff that the actors or their agents actually request that this be done well the agency like imagine to go back to the uh avengers thing you know how there's that big like long credit scene where they're imagine the fight that week not a day that was not settled in a day oh yeah they were still fighting about that credit sequence right until and the cut, order yeah. of it until they had to send it to theaters yeah. uh-huh. i mean but actors weren't they were like i don't really fucking care can i give you one of the craziest examples i've ever heard it has to do with the fast and the furious movies oh boy and my main man vin diesel <sighs> it's about family so the last fast and the furious movie fast eight uh-huh. when that came out that's the, one with the submarine with the submarine on, and right. charlie's there and with the weird dreads <laughs> <laughs> that's a problematic image if i ever saw one um so the post credit sequence of that movie was supposed to be for hobbs and shaw and because hobbs and shaw came out after fast uh-huh, eight yeah and so that's the obvious thing you do in a franchise like that right yeah. this is our next one coming out our post credit sequence has something to do with setting it up mm-hmm. they had shot this scene it was edited as the post credit sequence they had s- uh, printed the movie and sent it to theaters. Oh boy! Nobody told Vin Diesel this for oh. good reason. Oh, because they sent it to theaters, which means it's coming out in seventy-two hours. I think that's around the time frame they get there. Vin Diesel caught wind of this, called up the studio and said, "Get all of those prints back here and take that shit the fuck out. This is my movie. I'm the star of it. I don't want The Rock and Jason Statham overshadowing me." And they did it. Oh, oh, well, so here's the thing. 
they owe him. Of course they do. Yeah. Because when he walked away and then did, uh, was it tri- was it the triple X time or was it the other thing? The Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, yeah. When that was that fresh turd just got washed to sea. Like when they finally got him back and saved the franchise, essentially. Um, they kind of owe him. They're like, "Fuck, we." He does have one ask, and we kind of he's calling it in. No, no. Shit. I, I, in a weird way, like I think that's an incredible amount of hubris, and it's just like, it's not very. Um, caring towards your audience because like Vin Diesel your audience would still love you especially if we got a post credit scene with The Rock and Jason Statham like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't reflect poorly on you but I get what you're saying that if you're going to be that kind of egotistical actor and you do have the one favor that is the time to call it in I mean you're a star like yeah Go they, for it, baby. Yeah. This is the one you can do. However, I have to if say... If you have a lot of asks, if if you have one ask and you, like, tried it already and you were accommodated, you should not ask for that big of an ask because that's a dick Well, n- now that Hobbs and Shaw came out and was successful, and I think people like The Rock a lot more than Vin Diesel in general, Vin Diesel used up his one favor. He'll never get that again. Yeah, that's it, what I'm saying. It was the one big ask. You get that one and you're done. The fact that he and The Rock don't like each other, in fact, is an anchor around the ankle of that franchise because mm. they have good charisma on screen together, even though they don't get along well in yeah. real life. And it in public perception, people are going to blame that on Vin Diesel because The Rock just seems so likable mm-hmm. that... You know, now he's the top dog. So good thing you did it with Fast 8 because it's never happening again. But here's the other thing I want to say. And the reason that I think that this is all Vin Diesel's fault in the first place, The Rock and him and their relationship, is the reason that Vin Diesel was not in Fast and the Furious 2 or 3 was entirely his decision. Yeah, They asked him to come back. And at that point, he'd done Triple X and then Chronicles of Riddick. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm too big for sequels. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it turned out to be kind of a misstep until they brought him back but you also have to remember that it is true that like schlocky sequels didn't used to be prestigious you didn't want to be in a franchise that was a yeah. sign of you being a shitty actor you wanted to be a star in every movie that you were in well that's also because like brad pitt has never done a franchise movie think about that not oceans 11 not true oceans 11 oceans deadpool well, he was in it, but he's not the star of Fair. it. Fair, okay, fine. And even in Ocean's Eleven, I would give it a pass because it was ensemble, and I think technically George Clooney's probably the star of that movie. I bet Brad, Brad, Brad Pitt is supporting. Well, he's Danny Ocean. Yeah. Yeah, he gets... Yeah, yeah not technically. He's the fucking he's, title character. He's the title character. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the only example I can think of in Brad Pitt's career, and really think about that, because Johnny Depp came into Hard Times, so he had to do Pirates of the Caribbean. And they did all of them. Uh, Leo DiCaprio, actually, is another good example. If he doesn't do franchise movies, he's a project picker. He works in Tarantino's movies. Yeah. And at this point, that's kind of it. I mean, he he's, like, got his own thing going. Well, once he... Now it's... Well, he was choosing anything that could be Oscar-worthy, because he's like, someone please give me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Please. So, like, yeah, he his was His desperation never... is not charming. It's... Palpable. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. The Revenant. Ooh, I never saw that. There's, it, there's movie, a bear. I, don't know. I, I like that director, but that movie was horrible. That's that movie sucked. Let me fight a bear. Okay. Um, no, what I wanted to say though, in terms of like the stardom thing, like if you think about even someone like Jason Statham, so much bigger in the rest of the world. Because think oh, about yeah. the transporter. That was yeah. money, right? For a decade, were there three of them, four of them? Who knows? But they were always primarily released like England and uh, Asia, like the right. UK, like you know. 
European like and that's money. Yeah. If the American audiences weren't here for it, they were like, who cares? Oh yeah, I mean he started in those crank movies. Sure. Um I mean, those are sort of, they're cult because they were low budget. Those directors are pretty well respected as like self-aware B-movie guys. But he started things like that. No, I take your meaning exactly. Like, I actually don't think that Jason Statham was an attraction for American audiences until they included him in Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Which is weird because that's really late in his career, but. Yeah, but then when you have him and The Rocket, two likable people who are just money printers. Yes, yes. Sorry, Vin Diesel. I'm so sorry. Like, you. No. Well, and, and and since all of those movies are disposable anyway, like think about the cinematic experience of Hobbs and Shaw versus Fast 8. Like I don't remember much of what happened in either of those movies, mm-hmm. but I remember thinking that Hobbs and Shaw was a lot more fun because mm-hmm. Fast 8 has like Vin Diesel like being angry and crying and there's like a baby that's being threatened and his wife dies. Like there's too mm-hmm. much seriousness in it because I think Vin Diesel's like, "No, I want to do drama." And they, like, have to write that in for him. Whereas The Rock and Jason Statham are like, no, this will just be fun. Let's just have fun. And everybody else has more fun, too. Yeah. Well, and I can't imagine someone directing that and being like, no, you have to emote. It's like, I'm feeling really sad. Well, what I do have to say right. is that his... The, huh? The contradiction of Vin Diesel is that his performance in the movie is actually pretty good. And it is one of the first times that you get to see him have any range. Granted, it's range within that... Low register voice, well, like that's also his range, acting. Range could also be expansive, or range could be. He already has a narrow range, but yeah. that's fine. Like a lot of actors have that, but they do something within it. And he was doing interesting stuff, and I thought his performance in Eight was pretty good. The problem is, it's a fucking Fast and the Furious movie. I don't want it to be a drama. I want it to be fucking stupid. Why is this? Yeah. Why is this serious now? I want it to be stupid. Remember the scene with Jason Statham and the baby and how funny it was? That was funny. When the baby's being like actually threatened with death and Vin Diesel's like crying and powerless, you're like, wait, what the fuck is this? A Lars von Trier movie? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm trying to another have, exclamation I'm trying point. to yeah. have mm-hmm. some fun here. What the fuck, Vin? Yeah. And it's all his fault. Well, it really is because The Rock's just like, hey, Vin doesn't like me. I won't really be in the movie. I'll just do the fun can, one. Can I get a spinoff? And they're yeah. like. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely you can. Would you like a tequila company, too? How about a giant <laughs> plate of pancakes? We also have an industrial, uh, an oil drum full of peanut butter. Can you just handle that in one sitting? He's like, sweet. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what peanut butter companies do with their, like, excess. Everything that they have to scrape off the warehouse floor for, like, cleanliness reasons, when they collect it up, they just deliver it on a forklift to the Rock's Kitchen. <laughs> I don't think he would eat <laughs> scraping peanut butter. Something tells me that's not up to, you know, his standard of living. Um, but, I mean, good on you for, like, having you know, that much, like... His movies don't make that much money. The Rocks? They make a lot of money yes, overseas. They, N- they make a lot of money in general. But not like... Uh, Jumanji was one of the biggest movies of last year, yeah. Or was that two years ago now? But whatever. Whenever well, the, that, whenever the second Jumanji came out, it was like the second biggest movie of the year next to Avengers. <laughs> so, I think it was this year. No, nothing came out in 2020. It was 2019. Was that oh, what the you end mean? of 20? I, I don't know. It, it was a summer movie, so it either came out last no, summer yeah. or the one before that. But yeah. in any case, no, his movies make a fuck ton of money, dude. Even the shitty ones. Well, yeah. I, well, my, I think what I mean is they're all not good, but they're supposed to be not like they're not cinematic masterpieces by any stretch of the if imagination. the rock ever makes the mistake of taking a serious role it will ruin his career 
He knows yes. exactly what his lane is, which is these need to be stupid because he's charming, but he's not an, that good of an actor. He's serviceable, but he can't. He also would look ridiculous in a in a yeah. movie that because he's such a tank of a person that like he's unsettling when he stands next to like regular sized people. True. So it has to be a movie where that is acceptable. Yeah. If he was ever in some kind of drama or something, even if his performance was good, no one would like it. That I guarantee would, that you. That would be a Will Smith problem because think yeah. about like the joy of that and then it's like I Am Legend and you're like, no thank you. Or that weird plane movie where he's like... I Am Legend was okay, but he's largely by himself in that movie and it's still in his alley in the sense that it's like a disaster movie. Yeah. It's, you know, it's fine. Like The Rock could probably pull off a movie like that, but like there's a big difference between I Am Legend and Children of Men. It's like, imagine no. if Clive Owen was The Rock, and he's supposed Actually, to... <laughs> internet, can you make this, can you dub this over for me and just you know, do some, like, CGI face magic? Because yeah. I'd love it. And yeah. he, and, like, he is supposed to realistically be having sex with Julianne Moore without crushing her to death. <laughs> like, the, none of, you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't make it, it wouldn't make any sense. You just can't have that. He wouldn't fit in the car that she gets shot in. No, that's right. I, exactly. He has to drive that, like, Escalade that they specially designed for Shaq. <laughs> Wait, Shaq has a specially designed... I, I, it might not be an Escalade, but I vaguely remember a car commercial from, like, the late 90s or early 2000s where Shaq is in, like, a giant SUV made just for him. They scaled it all up because he's a giant man? Well, I think everything in his life has to be custom. Well. It, pretty much, man. Hmm. You know? His shoes are like size twenty five. What? Or whatever. Yeah, they're they're so big. He's like seven foot ten or something. He's <laughs> no, no one is seven foot ten. He's seven foot something, and he's like three hundred pounds. Oh, like he, he's they so reinforce big. the chairs. Dude, yeah. He's so big. Like he, everything kind of has to be custom. They give him like the SUV that the Secret Service drives around that could like drive over an IED and still the president would live. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like like it needs to be that supportive. Yeah. Stru- yeah. I mean, imagine him like having to use like a public restroom. He's like, nope. Oh, I mean, I wonder how many times he breaks porcelain toilets just, just sitting by down sitting again. down on them. He always has to hover. Poor Shaq. Oh. Yeah, that's... The Rock, too. I mean, The Rock probably weighs close to 300 pounds, if not 300 pounds. And all that muscle. And, I mean, he's like 6'2", 6'3". He doesn't fit through normal doors. Yeah. That Like, he would have to duck to walk through that door. You know what you're making me realize right now? It, the Rock has a wife, right? Mm-hmm. What does she look like? Who is she? She's like 5'4". That's crazy. I don't know. That's crazy. Like, how does that even work? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, seriously, how does that work? I feel like she doesn't, like, walk for three days. I mean, I don't know. It's it's not really about his dick size, if that's what you're getting at. But that's also a for giant man. It's like... just that he's too bi- he's too big. Do you just always have sex standing up and he just holds her? That seems like the only plausible way. Or well, he's on the bottom. Maybe. All yeah, like, the time. Yeah, like a fatty. God, yeah. I never thought about but that. But also think about like just even the regular thing. It's like they have to choose sides of their bed because he can't go over to her side because it will just fall down. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You can't have a sleep number bed. Like the Rock's sleep number is like 15,000 and yeah. a normal person's like 211. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He probably actually that might be a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how often do you think that celebrity couples even sleep in the same bed? Like, I, I feel like mm. they're so busy and their relationships genuinely seem artificial 
even when there's some amount of authenticity to them, like I bet a lot of the time celebrity couples are not even like near each other that often. Maybe, but also it's like everyone has a California king, which is like sleeping on a fucking football field. Right, right. Well, and come to think of it, I guess if the rock, like if I don't know the rock's wife's name off the top of my head, she's probably not at the level of celebrity that like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. No, she's not a celebrity. So yeah. Okay. So she's just a normal person. Oh, see, that makes me like the rock better. I think she's like some kind of famous in her field ish. Like Uh maybe she's a nutritionist or something. No, maybe not. I don't remember. Cause like his kids are from his first marriage or like, right. Yeah. And then they had one kid that's like a new fresh baby. And I'm like, when you're when you're you're normal when you're a man holding a baby that fits in the entirety of your two hands, that's insane. Oh my god! I mean, The Rock could probably fit a baby in one palm, and it would look like a walnut. <laughs> grapefruit, grapefruit. <laughs> okay, fair just like, mm. but yeah, like it's just like. Oh. How do you know he's not going to accidentally rip its head off? Like, I feel like you'd want to keep a baby away from the man. It's not his fault. It's just he's he doesn't. Not King Kong. He doesn't for know sake. his strength. I think he. His whole thing is that he does. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is his thing. Because, you know, discipline. Mm-hmm. Oh. Man. Well, this has been rock talk. <laughs> yeah. Talk of the rock. Talk of the rock. Rock hard rock. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I know. It's unpleasant. Yeah, I don't... Mm, it is. I don't have any mental bleach lying around. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Okay, we can stop now. Is it what is it? An hour fifteen? Hour nine. That's fine. That's fine. That's more than fine. Bye bye.